Welcome to the Under Grace Podcast. This podcast covers everything of how Jesus Christ, Yeshua, God, or Jehovah relates to us. God represents all things holy, pure, righteous, just, praiseworthy. The list goes on and on. Every human is a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. However, the story doesn't end there. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Grace is undeserved, God-given help, offered to everybody for our renewal or purification or forgiveness. Still with me here? Great. Get ready to sit back and enjoy God's grace. Welcome to this episode of the Under Grace Podcast. Today I'm going to talk about being sober-minded. Let me start out with a scripture verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6-8 through 8 says, So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. This clearly states one strong point. Be sober. For how can we discern the guiding of the Holy Spirit when we are under the influence of alcohol or any controlled substance? If anyone is sober from a controlled substance, people usually think of abstaining from alcohol, right? However, this can mean any number of controlled substances out there, such as marijuana, narcotics, painkillers, barbiturates, incense, or anything else that alters the mind. The one mind-altering substance that is brought up a lot in the Bible is alcohol, although other similar such substances did exist at the time. However, what the Bible says about being sober-minded applies to all such mind-altering drugs. The Bible doesn't ignore drinking alcohol. When Jesus turned water into wine for his first miracle, it wasn't grape juice, as my Sunday school teacher said. It was real, authentic, Israeli wine. However, the Bible does clearly state that we should remain sober in spirit and sober in mind. Sober in mind simply means being free from intoxicating influences. A more extensive way to put it is, Sober-minded means one does not let themselves become drawn in by any persuasion or urging that can lead them astray from firm wisdom or discernment. So, a sober-minded person is not intoxicated, but rather remains composed under stress, possesses self-control in all areas, and is level-headed. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Even though Satan is completely incapable of taking away your salvation, he still tries to break your faith and destroy your witness. His plots seek ways to upset our faith in God disturb our obedience to him, and damage our ministry. It is vital to be sober and look to the truth that God helps us become strong. He gives us those tools. 
First Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Many times people have the tendency to be the complete reverse opposite of how a godly sober mind is described in the Bible. Just look around in the news, in social media, people at work, when you're out and about shopping or running errands. You see ridiculousness, reckless choices, unwise decisions with damaging substances or behaviors, or even obscenities. All of these things are in complete disregard to what the Bible says about sober-mindedness. Ephesians 5, 3-4 includes examples of some of the behaviors and actions that Paul witnessed in the first century that are still inclinations we see today. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Some misinterpret this verse as Paul judging those who take part in these acts. However, in the next passage, he points out the plain truth that God judges them. Ephesians 5, 5-7 states, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. And now, a word from our sponsor. We all depend on our cell phones, laptops, tablets, computers, and other devices. They are the lifeblood of a business. They store priceless information. They help us with school assignments. They keep us in touch with friends and loved ones. They keep us on time to appointments or remind us of important dates. One of the most frustrating and sometimes devastating things is when one of your devices doesn't function as well anymore or even completely stops working. This is where Integrity Device Repair comes to the rescue. Integrity Device Repair is a concierge device repair company that can set up and fix your smartphone, tablet, Mac or PC, smartwatch, gaming console or music player and help you master it. They can help in selected stores or over the phone. They're down to earth and professional technicians will physically meet you anywhere in the state of Colorado, whether it be where you work or live. Pick a location and they'll be there, rain, snow or shine. Are you outside of Colorado? No problem. Simply mail your device in and Integrity Device Repair will take care of it. Cracked screens, water damage, speaker issues, no signal, device rebuilds, or battery issues. No job is too difficult for Integrity Device Repair. Do you need a new case for your cell phone, a flash drive, a Bluetooth headset, the latest laptop or cellular device? Integrity Device Repair offers competitive prices for all these as well. Contact Integrity Device Repair at idrtech.us. That's idrtech.us. They have the highest ratings on Google and many satisfied customer testimonials. As a promotional opportunity, exclusively for listeners of this podcast, enter the word UNDRGRCE in all caps into the message section under customer support and receive a 10% discount on your purchase. Try Integrity Device Repair and they will live up to their honest reputation with their fair pricing and flexible schedule. Integrity Device Repair. They can fix it almost as fast as you can break it. So is drinking alcohol wrong? No. However, drinking too much is. This is also true about indulging too much in other things that may lead to harm, such as eating too much food, 
making money your idol, sleeping too much, buying too many clothes, working too hard, and even exercising too much or spending too much time with your significant other. All of these things can be very good and healthy for you if done in moderation. However, when done in excess, like alcohol, they can become idols. Proverbs 25.16 spells it out plainly. If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. Amos 6.4-6 also talks about indulging too much. Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches, and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and like David, invent for themselves instruments of music, who drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Like many similar indulgences, alcohol can become an idol. What is an idol? It is anything in your life that takes the place of God. Exodus 20 verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before or besides me. Yahweh requires a complete covenant devotion to him and him alone. He does not and never will accept a commitment to any other gods besides himself. He is the one true God above all heaven and earth. In pledging your life to him with no other distractions or idols, you are following monotheism, which is a devotion to the one true God. This involves complete trust, faith, and loyalty to him. My pastor spoke on idolatry once when he said, What is the first thing you do when you wake up? If you reach for that bottle of bourbon on your nightstand, alcohol is your God. If you get on your phone, turn on the TV, or do anything else before you commit your day to the Lord, it may be time to ask yourself if those things are your idols. Now, back to alcohol. I never thought I'd say that. How does one know when they have had too many drinks? How do they know their limit? Usually it's because they've gone too far before, or they know when they start to feel the effects of alcohol. I see nothing wrong with having a couple of beers or a glass of wine at social gatherings. However, I never drink alone, which is a sign of a dependence on alcohol. Some people know when to limit themselves. However, I have a friend who used to be an alcoholic and will not even touch the stuff. Depending on what your tendencies or affinities toward alcohol are, you need to either limit yourself or completely refrain from drinking. The Bible is very upfront that mature Christians should prevent others from falling away by drinking alcohol. Romans 14.21 says, It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So if I'm around a Christian who has a previous problem with alcohol, I won't drink when I'm around them, plain and simple. There are other ways to have fun without the influence of alcohol. Proverbs 31, 4-7 discusses that those in authority should refrain from drinking alcohol. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed, and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. The New Testament also discusses drunkenness. In 1 Timothy 3, 1-3, Paul discusses the qualifications for overseers in the church. 
The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. In Titus 1.7, Paul again talks about qualifications for elders. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. So how can one just have one drink? With self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22-23 states, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. God's Holy Spirit has given us specific instruction and has called us to a life of obedience. Our limitations are not in line with our logical thoughts, especially after we've had one too many. If you've been drunk before, you'll know that your senses are dulled. You say and do things you won't normally say or do. At that point, logic and reason have been dismissed, therefore losing any sense of self-control, lacking the distinction of when it is enough and time to quit. So rather than putting ourselves at risk of being drunk, we choose to drink in moderation or refrain altogether, knowing our limitations. A former alcoholic once told me, one is too few and five is not enough. Galatians 5, 24-25 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I think we can interpret this both literally and figuratively. An obvious interpretation is, don't get drunk. Don't be under the influence of anyone or anything except for Jesus Christ. But figuratively speaking, we can be intoxicated with other things. A lifelong commitment to sober-mindedness does not mean living an unpleasant, desolate, unhappy, gloomy life. Quite the opposite, actually. As sober-minded Christians, we are to be constantly satisfied with the Holy Spirit's joy. Romans 14.17 talks about the kingdom of God being peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We must concentrate on what is tangible, everlasting, eternal, and encouraging instead of what is thoughtless, shallow, and vain. When Jesus went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he got arrested, he said to his tired disciples what the reason of being sober-minded is. Mark 14.28 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus also stated in Luke 21.34, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. What you will eat or where you will live are normal human concerns as you provide for yourself and your family. But let's not allow these things to become more of a preoccupation or an idol than your number one priority, Jesus Christ. Let's not allow ourselves to become intoxicated with things that hinder us in our relationship with Christ and being his example here on earth. I will leave you with this verse that sums up everything we should do instead of indulging in worldly fleshly desires. 
Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Under Grace Podcast. If you have any questions, ideas for future episodes, or would like to drop me a line, please email me at theundergracepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at undergracepodcast and Twitter at ugpodcast316. Now go forth and live your lives under God's never-ending grace.